Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we depart from our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything as we delve into Unearthed Arcana's most recent content. It's our look at gothic lineages from your Unearthed Arcana this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer, so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer, or three, or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. What's up, Lou? Guess we're going gothic. Lineages. Yeah, Yeah, gothic lineages. The new stuff from Unearthed Arcana. I don't know if this is kind of a... uh, Sample of things to come. I think it's a precursor. I do too. I do too. Very much so. Yeah. It's like, let's let's taste this and see if anybody spits it back out. Uh. <laughs> well, it has its moments. I'll just say, give it that. <laughs> well, this is, uh, before we get into it, of course, this is playtest material. So it's not yes. official D&D content, I guess. It is just uh, something for the community to try out, see what they think about it, send their their thoughts back to uh, the folks over at Wizards of the Coast. Let them know what you think about it. And, yeah. and I'm sure they'll go over each and every comment that's sent their way and go on the consensus of the listeners. Nah, of no, course. They're going to yeah. do whatever they do. Well, please. But that's okay. Um, yeah, they they're, we're dealing with um, some interesting lineages here. Yeah, I... I kind of, I kind of like this stuff, provisionally. I, well put. I was just telling the Lou off air a couple minutes ago. I, some of this stuff looks really cool, really interesting, but very limited on where you can use this. Yeah. Do, now I, I say stuff like off air, and I feel like I'm kind of like a big deal, like I'm hot shit. You know, I like, I just feel like that, that's because we let you think that too well that well that's probably that's important and i appreciate that very much you see i said something off air <laughs> wink wink nod nod say no more like i'm always on yeah. no, but I, I think all this stuff was uh come about because of what's in tasha's with the custom lineages that they put in there they had to give us some things to start with i think that's my take on this i i think so mm-hmm. and i think we'll see um in the future and this is these are uh just my my thoughts and and i have no idea what their plans are because i'm really not that important um <laughs> as if any of us yeah. are really 
Yeah, like, well, you know, yeah, Jeremy Crawford called me the other day and was like, hey, Scott, what do you think about this new stuff? And I'm like, I think you should do this. And while I'm at it, can I borrow your, you know, your snowblower? Yes. Personal friend of ours. Yes. (laughs) They, uh. They don't even know we exist. No, not even close. Um, but I, I think this is kind of like, uh, you know, let's dip dip their toes in the water, so to speak, and and see how they how they uh, they they embrace it if the the community even does. And I think maybe we'll see some changes to you know some of our our more traditional races. We may see the term race being totally you know, done away with, because I mean, really what D and D came out, it was, you know, it was the late sixties, early seventies, right. Different, different language, different, different culture, different ideologies at play there. I think we'll, we'll see maybe dwarven lineage, dwarven lineage, elven lineage. uh, Well, there's there's even a hint uh, in here where they refer to it as species as opposed to races. So that's, I was reading through and I caught that little line there going, oh, I think that's the direction they're planning on going. Yeah, and I was... Which is fine. I have no problem. You and I have said this a number of times where we refer to them as species more than we do races. Yeah, because I I think they are. Um, That makes sense. You know, um, I I think they're more a species than a a race. Elf being a species and drow maybe being a a race of of, of that species. species. But let's... Let's look at it. We get uh, three new three new race options um, to play test. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of playing around with a little bit of bit a little bit of this stuff. There's the uh, uh, we were talking about this off air. Uh, how to how to pronounce the first one is it uh, damper dampier dampier or uh, damper. As in, I, I think uh, Dampier is probably the closest that I could figure out. That's what I was thinking too. It kind of goes with vampire, vampire. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's like a real word that they took from some you know cultural context. You know, um, you guys go do your thing. I'm gonna go look this up real quick. All right, Google away. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Dampier is your your best way to go on this one. Uh, this one's interesting, obviously, because we're talking about vampire, Dampier. It's a spinoff. Uh, a, a maybe a subclass of the vampire. At least that's how I I kind of read it through. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and then we get the hex blood and the reborn. So creating creating the character at first level, this is where you you know you pick this particular race. Well, lineage more than race. Yeah, it's, it's peppered throughout here. Sometimes it's species. Sometimes, sometimes it's race. Sometimes you're yeah, they're all over the place. I think it? I think it's uh it's one of those. Things that'll be cleaned up if it ever makes it into a publication. They'll find one word and stick with it, uh, and it won't be race. Right. Well, yeah, it won't be race. It's either going to be species or, or lineage. Through the magic of the Google and the interwebs, Lewis an found our answer. Yes, what sir. is it? In Balkan folklore, sometimes called dampier, dampires, or dampiers, are creatures that are result of a union between a vampire and a human. Oh, so it is. It is. Yeah, it's very close to what they're. Yeah, it is, but it's, yeah. a, it's actually a Balkan folklore. Right. They gave you a number of of different through the, when we read through this, you'll you'll hear that uh, there's a couple of different ways to become a dampier, but that's actually one of them. Yeah. Cool. Um, you know what? There's someone for everyone. You know, yes, love, there is. Love is knows blind. No, knows no bounds. Yes. Knows no bounds. Uh, you you get um you get to increase one of your ability scores by two and another by one, but you can't start with any score above twenty, which is which is fair, right? Well, that's pretty much uniform yeah. across the board. Um, languages you can speak, read, or write common in one other language that you and your DM agree upon, 
that is appropriate for your character, depending on where your you know your lineage. May, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on where your lineage may have originated from. So that's yeah, it makes it makes sense. I think um, I think the thing with language is I always like to give PCs more languages than they would they would start. I know with when we were designing our homebrew world, we we would give a PC from a certain area. Uh, the ability to speak the language of you know it's it's neighboring well, nations. Yeah, mo- most stuff, of the yeah. contiguous nations or, or or realms that were next to it, whether it was a different species or another uh, race altogether. Yeah, you're right. We we definitely did plus them up quite a bit, and it makes sense. Because, I think it does. I mean, if you live in that area, you've heard these languages over and over. Even if you're not fluent in it, you should be able to follow it. Yeah. Then you go into creature types. Every creature in D&D, including every player character, has a special tag in the rules that identifies the type of creature that they are. Most player characters are a humanoid type. A race option presented here tells you what your character creature type is. Hmm. And then there's a list of types. So, the list of the game's creatures types in alphabetical order. Aberration, Beast, Celestial, Construct, Dragon, Elemental, Fae, Fiend, Giant, Humanoid, Monstrosity, Ooze, Plant, and Undead. Uh, these types don't have rules themselves, but some rules in the game affect creatures of certain types in different ways. For example, the text of the Cure Wound spell spe- specifies that the spell doesn't work on a creature that is a con- construct or an undead type. But it goes into having more than one type. Yeah, and in this case, they talk about uh, the example of a humanoid and uh, an undead. So cure wounds would, would work on, on wh- whatever that PC is since the spell works on uh, humanoid. Uh, my, my question being, I don't know, can you heal the undead, you know, in the, in the same way you could someone that is not undead? I thought, at least in the old versions, yep. uh, heal would actually harm or hurt the undead. In, in the old versions. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's still true. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Now it's radiant damage is what you need to do to real do damage to them. Um, a shy, well, I could see like maybe some Bondo or super glue, you know, just throw that part right back on, seal up a couple ribs. But aside from that, mm, but being humanoid, undead, I don't know, that's a little gray. That, they got, they're going to have to very gray. Yeah. They're going to have to clean that one up quite a bit because most of your player classes are humanoid, and if you're undead and it doesn't affect undead, then What's the sense of saying it doesn't affect undead if almost all the undead are humanoid or originally humanoid anyways? Yeah. Unless you get into some of these classes, which are, they're they're kind of special. Yeah. They're, they're hovering just one side of the gray area on one side Mm -hmm. or the other. So, all right. So, um, let's talk about these dampiers. Let's talk about the dampiers poised between the world of the living and the dead. Dampiers retain their grip on life yet are endlessly tested by vicious hungers. That could be fun. Sounds like a Snickers commercial <laughs> right there. <laughs> I still think the first one was the best one with Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> uh, if you, if, yeah, if you're not careful, your uh, your dampier could go full-blown Betty White on you. <laughs> you know? Their ties to the undead grant dampiers a taste of the vampire's deathless prowess in the form of increased speed, dark vision, and life-draining bite. Uh, with unique insights into the nature of the undead, many Dampier turn their lives to adventurers and monster hunters. 
Their reasons are often deeply personal. Uh, some seek danger, imagining monsters as personifications of their own hungers. Others pursue revenge against whatever turned them into a damp ear. And still others embrace the solitude of the hunt, striving to distance themselves from those who tempt their hunger. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. I, I, I it, it smacks of um, Blade. I was just gonna say the same. You know, thing. it's 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 got that kind of that kind of thing, or um, I don't know, pretty much any any vampire anything recently. Well, in this genre, there's a number of spinoffs where they have hinted and or come right out and said that uh, Van Helsing was actually part vampire himself, and that's why he was hunting. The, the one vampire that turned him, because that's how you get rid of the curse, supposedly, at least in those particular storylines. So, yeah, there's there's a lot that could be done here with this one, especially I, I like the last one uh, more than anything else. But, okay, so there you go. So you have these hungers at play, right? Yep. Uh, you have this, uh, they say it's uh, every dampier knows a thirst slaked only by the living. It could be just kind of like a faint whisper, you know, something that's always in the back of, back of uh, your mind that's nagging. And there's there's that you know what I you know what I see it as, which would make for some awesome role playing opportunities, is almost like an addiction. You know, you at some point in time, you know, maybe you 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 lost control. You know, maybe when you were um, very very young and you tasted the blood of a living sentient being. And now, you know, you, you encounter these triggers, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout, uh, you know, maybe you have, you've felt so bad that you, you left to adventure and and hunt these undead, but occasionally, you know, you you get these, you get these triggers, you know, like you're, someone's talking, you know, and you see, uh, you can smell their blood or you, you know, there's a, a bare neck, you know, like, uh, a barmaid or someone it throw, know, throws her hair off to one yeah, side and you and catch it just in that, the light. There's that nice juicy vein right there. And uh I would I would have these triggers ever present in the game oh, for this yeah. person. You know, you, oh, you would yeah. have to roll. It'd be peppered all over. Yeah, there'd be some willpower rolls at at, at play there. And I just think it adds an element of drama. And it it, it, it does. Ahead. And I was gonna say after you know listening to you guys I know you guys haven't played Baldur's Gate 3, but there is a uh, PC that you can play that's actually, I believe he's a vampire, but, but for some reason, um, he walks in the daylight and everything. I won't go into the whole thing, but in, in uh, Baldur's Gate 3, they actually have this guy, Asterian, in there. So, you know, he does suffer from, you know, he needs to drink blood to, to be at full strength or yep. whatever. And he actually, in the game, he does confront one of them, one of the main characters and says, hey, can I, but it's up to you to say yes or no, but... It's ever present in the game. I, I, I real quick for our listeners, how could you equate to this? How could you think you feel this? All right, you ever got a craving for something and you don't know what that craving is? Yeah, you know it's like you, you you you're going through every cabinet, you've gone through the refrigerator. It's even worse when you work in a supermarket and you're craving to eat something, and literally everything available is right in front of you, and you can't figure out what it is. And eventually you end up eating like a box of Cheez-Its, but, which isn't it, but. You know, it gives you yeah, enough. But, to, but to it's, not, it's not quite there. So 
As you're listening to this, think about the last time you had a craving for something. I, I don't know what it is, but I want something. That's that nagging feeling that you feel 24-7. Thank you, Bill. I would say it's probably even more magnified. Oh, definitely magnified. But, I mean, you know, in real life, that's that's yeah. the closest thing I can think to give you that taste. You know, where you get upset. Lou's got that face on his face. Now he's got a craving for something. He doesn't yeah. know what it is. I know what it is. I oh. just can't have it right now. <laughs> it's not here. It's at home. It's my coconut rum. Oh, I have coconut rum here. We're we're making a podcast right now. Yeah, we so you our, can't have any. So oh, our, gee, our that, tech guy. To be. Oh, you're our damn peer for the evening. Oh, it's right there in, in in reach, but you just can't quite have it. They they give a they give a list of hungers. Yeah, they uh, do. Speaking and, of that, and I got to tell you, I don't I don't like all of them. Yeah, there's a few of them here that just don't seem right. Blood, I think. I think works. Yeah, that, that's why it's number one. Uh, you know, flesh of raw meat. I think that adds a <laughs> that adds a a pretty gruesome layer to it. I mean, there's yeah. almost something sexy about a vampire sucking the blood out of out of someone's neck. Someone uh, devouring another person. Not well, so it not says, so sexy. It says raw meat. It doesn't say raw person. Yeah, but that's no fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you're if you always order your steak and just say no, don't bother cooking it. Just yeah, think it could like, be somebody's kitten. Yeah, or someone's kitten. Here we go. Yeah. The, uh, ASPCA is going to be, yeah, there was it. Sarah McLaughlin's going to be knocking <laughs> on the door. Uh, cerebral spinal fluid. Brains. 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 Eso- yeah. Esoteric humors. That's, uh, that's old jokes, right? That's old jokes. Old yeah. <laughs> uh, psychic energy. I like a lot. Yeah. Um, I can, I can see some, someone who's a damp just doing that kind of like, Vulcan mind meld thing on someone and sucking all their psychic energy like through their fingers, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, while through contact, he's oh, very tactile person, always yeah. brushing your 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 elbow, put your arm around you, brushing your hair. Yeah. He's that close talker, yeah. uh, handsy, touchy person that uh, everybody that is annoyed by. Calls Uncle Touchy uh, a color from one's appearance. I didn't get that one. I didn't either, and and I don't like it. Um, dreams, dreams are kind of cool, but, um, well, you, as a game master play with this one, cause yeah. all those dreams are going to turn into nightmares. There's, there's potential, you know, and then you, and then you like, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and there's, uh, there's Bob from your adventuring party, just standing over your bed, staring at you, you. staring at you, I'm just watching you sleep, you know, just that creepy guy. <laughs> He's probably wouldn't be invited back to the adventure after something like that. And then life energy is another one that I, that I really, really like. I, that one's good. I like that one. That I see someone, um, your damp here, like grabbing someone by the ears to hold their head straight and just opening their mouth and sucking all your life energy out of, uh, yeah, of your mouth and, and, and into, into theirs. I just think it'd be very, um, savage, and disturbing when someone loses control of their their hunger. That, that psychic vampire just reminds me of that episode you did in episode thirty nine with the vampire variants. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. That um that psychic vampire thing. Go listen to that one. I kind of like it. I did too. Yeah, it, it was good. It was good. Um, there's a lot of stuff from prior <laughs> editions that still holds up. Still has some. Still has some legs. So their origins, where do they come from? And oh, there's well. an interesting list here. 
Uh, it, it is. They often arise from encounters with vampires, uh, but all manner of macabre bargains, necromantic influences, and encounters with mysterious immortals might have transformed your character. The Dampier's origins table provides suggestions. So they, they got eight of them. Eight, yeah, eight of them here listed. Some of these are pretty cool. Number one, your reincarnation of an ancestor who was a vampiric tyrant. I don't know about tyrant, but... Maybe just a vampire? Va- va- vampire, you know, some kind of connection there. You're packed with a predatory deity, fiend, fae, or spirit causes you to share their hunger. I like that one. Yeah, that, that makes for an interesting warlock character. Yes, it seems it like does. it was fit, that was, it fit nicely in there. Yeah, that one came right to mind. Uh, you survived being attacked by a vampire, but were forever changed. That's I think that's kind of, probably my favorite. That's straight, pretty straightforward. Uh, a parasite inhabits your body. You indulge the hunger cessated. That's interesting. That is interesting. There was a um, TV show. Was it the um, the Strain? Yes. Was it? Yes. Yeah. It was. Which was very, very much so like that. That there, there were these teeny tiny little worms that uh, inhabited the person's body and turned them like like uh, into vampiric zombies. And again, I'm going to say for a story for you guys that. Have played or want to play Baldur's Gate Three? A little background on Asterian. He is a vampire, but he got um, infected with um, a mind flayer parasite. So this is why he can walk around in the daytime now and do some other things. I mean, there's more to the story. You guys have to go play the game. Um, I won't kill it, but this is something that they use that he's infected with a parasite. What's We're gonna, uh, we need a new sound effect for spoiler alerts. What <laughs> is um, what's a good resource for for mind flayers? Um, I think if you went to the Illithid episode we did, that might be a really a good, good place to start. Yeah. You, uh, it was a pretty intense deep dive into the uh, Illithid and all things Mind Flayer. Also gross, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not nearly as gross as Beholder, but damn close. That was one of our one of our earlier episodes. It was our first uh, like monster deep dive. I really liked that one. It, it was fun. Um, um, it was a good time. I, I want to say it's episode eleven, but Lou is going to correct me because uh, Lou, unfortunately, is perpetually right. <laughs> that, Much to both our chagrin, that bothers me. Well, he, he corrects you. He just edits me <laughs> he, because he doesn't let. I think it's he doesn't let us. Like, forget it. You know, remember that time I was right again? You were close. It was episode nine. Nine. See? See, he does it. Let's move on. Uh, we'll move on. What's number five, Bill? You loved the immortal and were willing to be transformed into a vampire to join them. But tragedy interrupted the transformation. Oops. Yeah. Served with divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> right before you even made it out of the gate, and you're like, now I'm half vampire. What the hell? Boom. It's like getting a tattoo with the, with your wife's name on it and then getting a divorce, and now it's like, now I can only date women named Debbie. <laughs> All right, number six. You are diminished. Uh, you are a diminished manifestation of an otherworldly being slaking your hunger hastens your renewal. I kind of like that one. That's that makes it that makes it like you're trapped here, like you crash well, landed. Well, well, no, and, I, I, I'm. You're thinking alien. I'm thinking um, elemental planes or border planes. I mean, there's a gazillion. I mean, 
reach up to your your bookcase and grab the manual of planes. Yeah. Um, there, you, there's a lot of place you can play there. And just think about it, just feeding your hunger. If you're not, if you're not feeding, you're getting weaker. Yep. Yep. That's why I like this one. Number seven, you don't know your origins, but you were raised by vampires or other monsters. Foster me, foster fiend. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't really take you home to meet my parents, honey. <laughs> Mom is a vampire and dad's a werewolf and there's a likelihood they'll one or both of them will eat you. <laughs> because instead of arguing with each other, they're just going to eat you. Uh, number eight, a radical experiment changed your body, making you reliant on others for vital fluids. Yeah, one failed science experiment away from becoming a supervillain. That's <laughs> that's who you wear your goggles. Yes. <laughs> this is where PPE comes yes, in really, very, really very important. important. Otherwise, you'll end up, end up a dampier. Can I? Can we just go back to number seven? Let's go back to number seven. I want. I want to know who the person was at the foster care organization <laughs> that gave that gave a human baby to a vampire couple. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Von Zarevich, we're we're very happy to present you with this beautiful human baby. His name is Ted. Yes. <laughs> or it could be a little bit different. It could be somebody at the orphanage that was infected by vampirism and had a, a baby and not know it. Yeah. Or, the baby, or be, the baby was left at the orphanage yeah. and the orphanage doesn't know. Either way, yeah. Yeah, and and maybe maybe the couple who, let's face it, a lot of your vampire, your vampires and, and dampiers, more often than that, they can't rep, you know, reproduce. The way of reproducing is to Re, bite yeah. somebody and, and infect them. I just keep thinking of Marilyn from the Munsters. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> Poor girl. Um, yeah, so maybe they caught wind of this child that has special abilities or whatever and, and stepped forward going, oh, it's that's an awful big problem on your hands. We'll take them off your hands. We can take care of it. Don't worry. Or we can bet in that miracle baby, that one in a million hurt, uh, child that was born that has the From a lineage yeah. way, 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 yep. way back, which is like number one. But um, but yeah, there's there's a couple different ways you can go at that one. I, I I do like number eight, and I like number eight if it's applied to like an old universal horror movie type of theme. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's it, it, you have to remember DMs. Your entire adventure must be in black and white, and yeah. then it'll fit perfect. Oh yeah, yes. And feel free to use Harryhausen to do all your monster movements. Well, I mean, if you're gonna commit, mm-hmm. might you might as well. Uh, I I like that, and I can I can see someone. Maybe who is a survivor of a village or a town that was decimated by by vampires, and he has or she has made it their point to kind of concoct something a, a you know a poison or whatever have you some weapon against vampires, and in the process kind of expose themselves inadvertently or um, they wanted to figure out. <laughs> a way to elevate their natural abilities so they could go toe-to-toe with a vampire, you know, do that whole scientist experimenting on himself thing. Yep. Uh, you know, Bill Bill mentions Von Helsing, but I, it's, it's very clear there's a lot of inspiration taken from, you know, things like Blade. Yep. Von Helsing, Morbius, um, especially now with, the you know, the movies coming out and everything and, you know, everybody who goes goes and sees that it looks like a pretty cool movie is going to be like, man, 
I want to play like a pseudo good guy, bad guy, you know, anti-hero like Morbius. I wish we could do that in D&D. Well, here you go. Ta-da. Voila. Asking you shall receive. So you get some, you get some traits. So you're a humanoid and undead. You can, you could be medium or small. It depends. I think a halfling dampier would be pretty sick. <laughs> uh, speed of 35 feet. You get dark vision. We all know what that is. Spider climb. I think that's, I think that's pretty neat. I think the best part is the third level jump. Yeah, you can move up, down, and across vertical surfaces. You could do that creepy thing that's in in all the horror movies, you know, where you're kind of like spider walking across the ceiling and upside down while leaving your hands free. So it's the old walk yeah. up the wall, walk up you know, along the the ceiling, like when Peter <laughs> Parker paces. Yes. you know, you know, he's having a rough day with the Avengers or whoever, and he's and then you got that vamp- vampiric bite. So your fangs are a nat- natural weapon, um, simple melee weapon, and with which you are proficient, which tells me you've had some practice, uh, <laughs> you know, like biting things and sucking their blood. You can add your constitution modifier to the attack and damage rolls when you attack with your bite. It deals 1d4 piercing damage on a hit, which which isn't, isn't bad. No, um, not because bad for- if you have a high constitution, you could, you could add, you know, extra, but you could have a serious... Serious bite, a hit die. If, you, if like, you're, what if you're a monk, you know, and and you know you're, you're like a kung fu vampire. <laughs> I was thinking Path of the Beast Barbarian. Path of the of Beast Bar, yeah, Path of the Beast Barbarian. Because he could already do that. So you imagine you get that bite plus this bite damage on the, top yeah. of it. And Robert Pattinson modeled uh, for the picture <laughs> in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, so uh, it's cyclical. Well, I mean, keep reading. It, uh, it gets better. If if you're missing half or more of your hit points, you take advantage on the attack rolls you make with his bite. And when you use your bite and hit a creature that isn't a construct or undead, you can empower yourself with one of the following ways of your choice. You can regain hit points equal to the damage dealt by the bite. Or, nice. you, or you can gain a bonus to the next ability check or attack roll you make the bonus equals the damage dealt by the bite. That that is a really really nice one. And that's why I said you pair this with the Path of the Beast Barbarian, and you just doubled that because the Path of the Bar- Beast Barbarian, his abilities allow him to do the same thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're double dipping. You're stacking. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of. It's a fifth edition doesn't allow you to stack too often, but uh, I think this is stackable. I can see this being changed because of that. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So enjoy it while it lasts. Um, <laughs> And you can do it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So, of course, as you gain higher levels, you know, that's... Well, think about it this one. way. If you are playing Path of the Beast Barbarian, you only get to use that bite X amount of times for your proficiency level. So you can alternate between the two. And double it. it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that one. Because I can choose to use my Path of the Beast Barbarian bite now. Right. I don't have to do this. This is telling me I can do it as many times as at, my proficiency as a, as a GM, yeah. I turn around and say, no, you have two... You're at plus two. That's how many times you can use it. Right. You know, I don't care what class you're using. Right. If you use one over here or one over there or two on the one side or two on the other, you have two. Enjoy your short rest. Wouldn't be a problem. I'd still be healing myself. <laughs> but, yeah, think about it. If a lot of GMs just play as rules as written. Oh, as rules written, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah you then, can du- you're double dipping on a double dip. Yeah, well, you don't, you're not double dipping on a double dip. What I'm saying is, well, yeah, I know you can um, the class abilities on one, the class abilities on the other. Yeah, so if I'm taking one tack on Scott, I'm gonna use. I'm only gonna take my path of beast barbarian bite. 
And if I'm going to attack Bill, now I'm using my vampiric abilities to get that same amount of health back. Right. So I'm, I don't have to double dip on anybody because I'm going to get multiple attacks eventually anyway. So I can see my, my ruling. Right would, my ruling would be different than Bill's because one is a class ability and yep. the other is a race ability. Exactly. Mm. That's how I would. That's how I would interpret it. But it's not saying anybody's right or wrong. It's saying it's all up to the like Bill said. As a DM, it, this is how I would interpret exactly. it. Exactly. Yep. To make it safe with your world or your campaign. Yeah. Because that could potentially break a campaign. It it could be problematic. Which, like, which is I am why I more often own my characters right. so i will rein them in real fast on stuff like this just so it doesn't break things and later on if they make a good argument it looks like i, w- I would rather err to the side of safety for the table and the in the story's sake than let someone run rampant and really disrail and make some some issues that are going to be cyclical or or a domino effect later on and so, so with that said this would be a good session zero a conversation a- absolutely yes, important don't yeah. wait till i build my character and then tell me afterwards yep. because that may have changed what i wanted to how i wanted to play things well you got your you have your optimizers your min maxers who are going to hide this as best they can some of them would and, and then you know they'll you're like, oh i'm going to use this and i'm going to use this and later on it's like wait and then all of a sudden all these other you know oh, i'm using these two and i'm going to use these two like whoa 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 rain it back yeah. rain it back yeah. what well, you going to do what like no this is my ruling and if you thought you were going to do that in the beginning, you should have brought it to my attention. And that's where I say there has to be an open right. dialogue. Right, yeah, you're right. Beginning. This is something that should have been addressed at session zero. But your min-maxers are going to hide this. That's what they do. They're going to spot it. They're going to read it. They're going to like, oh, okay. Oh, and, they're going to, and they're going to put that ace up their sleeve until the big bad combat comes out. And all of a sudden, they're going to unload on you. That's why I said Path of the Beast because I yes. saw how that fit. And I was like, that really works. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's it's important to have that dialogue at session zero. It's port, important to be upfront and honest with your DM. Go, this is how my character concept is. This is how I want to play. And Bill brings up a really good point. It's like, you know what? If you could come with a good reason, if you could justify it, then, you know, that's a different story. I've been all about justifications for decades now. Yeah, and I, I, I think the justification is important. How does it fit in with your character's story? Mm-hmm. Um, their backstory, their... Um, how does it fit in with what what you per- perceive your character becoming uh, as 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 the levels progress, um, and, and can you can you justify it? It doesn't mean it, it's still going to work. You can justify it all along, all you know, up and down, but if it still off balances your table, DMs disallow it. Yeah, and you know, I, make, or, make it or make or it modify, house rule, or yeah. modify it. Make a house rule. Do what you got to do. And. And with a lot of these things, I read this a couple times, not just the Dampier, but everything. I think the these are, are really, really cool concepts for certain campaigns. Other campaigns, yeah. I just don't see them fitting in or doing well in. Yeah, all, all three of these are all niche. Very yeah. Mu- very much niche campaigns. Um, so what about the Hexblood? The Hexblood, uh, where... Wishing fails, ancient magic can offer a heart's desire, at least for a time. The Hexbloods are individuals infused with the eldritch magic, fey energy, and mysterious witchcraft. Some who enter into bargains with hags gain their deepest wishes, but eventually find themselves transformed. These changes evidence a hag's influence. Uh, Ears that split and forks, 
skin in wild shades, lengthy hair that regrows if cut, and an immovable living crown. Along with these, Mark's Hexbloods manifest hag-like traits, such as long life, dark vision, a variety of uh, magical methods to beguile the senses and avoid the same. Wow. Uh, while many Hexbloods gain their lineage after making a deal with the hag, others reveal their nature as they age, particularly if a hag influenced them in early in life or even before their birth. Many Hexbloods turn to lives of adventure, seeking to discover the mysteries of their magic, to forge a connection with their fey natures, or to avoid a hag that obsesses over them. That's, that is cool. I dig that. Like you are, are now like kind of like the race of like, which is your race. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that. I, th- I think that all these different aspects of their appearance is, is, is pretty neat, you know, like, uh, and that doesn't, that short list doesn't have to be it, oh, you know, no, come no. up with some, you know, I just, I just think a, uh, in this case, I mean, for me, the character would the character would be a woman, you know, and she would be, you know, tall and statuesque, and would have long hair, long like either flaming red or jet black hair, but it would constantly be moving as if it had a life of its own. Yeah, it always seems to be slowly flowing in the breeze, even when there's no breeze. Yep, or, or coiling around her shoulders or yep. her arms or whatever. Yeah, just just constantly ever so slightly moving where you'd have to like really focus. Like, did I, did I just see her hair just kind of move away from her ears? Well, almost as if it moves just before she moves her head as opposed to just after. Yes. Yeah. Um, just, you know, cool stuff like that. Yes. Constantly having long fingernails, uh, six toes, you know, just weird stuff like that. Like olive green skin, mm-hmm. um, you know, really, really pointy, pointy pointy ears stuff like that so you're an heir of hags i just i just see oh, oh uh the aunts are coming over today right it's a, it's the stygian witches from um <laughs> wrath uh what is it a clash of the titans yeah well one, so that at the 300 yeah <laughs> one way these hags create more of their kind is through uh the creation of the hex blood so Every hex blood exhibits uh, features suggesting the hag whose magic inspired their powers. This includes an unusual crown, often called an elder cross or witch's turn. This living garland-like part of the hex blood's body extends from their temples and wraps behind their head, serving as a visible mark of the bargain between hag and hex blood—a debt owed or a change to come. Pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. I, I, I like the, I like. I think a, like a sorcerer warlock combo would be pretty cool, or even some of the um, you know some of the fighter options that are uh, a little more magic magic based, or even some of the psionic oh, stuff from Tasha's would be would be kind of cool for yep, this. Yeah, yep. Where your magic ability is actually like you know uh, psychic. Um, Talking about like the psi warrior, the aberrant yeah. mind, or the 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 rogue one. I forget what the rogue one is called. But yeah, the one of those three. Yeah, I think it would add a nice flavor, kind of to it. I have a particular opinion about psionics, and I'll leave it for our next episode that we do on psionics. Okay. Um, and and because of that, <laughs> because my uh, my opinion of psionics is very different than Bill's. 
We uh, hear that spoiler, a lot. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Bill doesn't like psionics. I don't know why. Gasp. I don't know Actually, why you I, say that. I, I do know why because he's been telling me for the past 30 years how much he hates it. I like him. Um, That's what a reason but, I yeah, I, I got. I got an ally in the in the uh, in the dojo in the, in the in the bleachers waiting to come on to support me and Lou in our argument. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna triple team Bill on this one. That's okay. I'm ready for it. We'll convert him. <laughs> so what about what about their origins? Uh, a bargain with a hag and other eerie forces transforms your character into a magical being. Uh, we have a chart here that you can roll on. There's uh, a number of, uh, well, number eight, um, of different origins we can go through. So, number one, uh, seeking a child, your parents made a bargain with a hag, and you're the result of that arrangement. I like that. It's got that kind of uh, uh, a Grimm's fairy tale yeah, feel yeah. to it. You know, where the hag comes up and rubs the woman's belly, and yep. a little incantation, a little light show, and some spark, and a little woo, and, you know, oh, her... Her seat is receptive for you, young man. Enjoy your evening. And uh, Number two, fake kidnappers swapped you and your parents' child. I, I like that. That's uh, I can see like these little gremlin people sneaking in and <laughs> throwing a baby in a bag and then replacing it with this, this hag baby. Number three, a coven of hags lost one of their members. You were created to replace the lost hag. That one's interesting. I like that one. Uh, number four, you were cursed as a child. A deal with the spirits of the forest transformed you into a hexblood, now free of the curse. I like that one. That one's cool. I, I think that has a lot of potential because, you know, maybe you did something um, as a child that was uh, very, you know, very kind. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, you found well, well, a fairy with a broken wing. Yeah, and and you you picked instead of stepping on her <laughs> or him, you picked it up and, and and carried it back to this 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 place you were told not to go to because that's where all the all the fairies lived, and you did it anyway. And they uh, they disbanded the curse, but now you're you know you're free of it, but now you're a hex blood. Yeah, yeah. There's a few different ways to go with that. And there, lots of stories can be built around that. Yeah, around your character on that one. Number five, you begin life as a fake creature, but an accident or crime changed you and forced you from your home. That's kind of the opposite of the way just the one we just read. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Number six, a slighted druid transformed you and bound you to live only so long as the sacred tree bears fruit. I like that one a lot. I like that one that a lot too cool. be- because I wouldn't use a tree at all. Um, I would, I would. Make it, you know, like the Fey Queen. You know, the Fey Queen is the uh, sacred tree, and as long as she is able to bear children, you will you will live. But once she gets so old, she can't. Or if she dies, then your end of days comes. So you're always kind of in the servitude of this Fey Queen, kind of like doing doing her bidding. Yeah, and, and every, you're going to do everything you possibly can to make sure she is uh, is happy. And healthy. And healthy. And, oh, no. Would you be giving her the elixir from the Hamlet of Terror? (laughs) 
That would uh, that we we may have to revisit that. We may have to revisit the uh, the Hamlet of Terror. Wow, we're just dropping episodes like crazy that's, that's on right. this one, aren't we? Shameless self promotion. Wow, that's I love how it. you get things done. It. We need three more. Okay, number seven. Also, I was on a live hangout with Nerdarchy. <laughs> Go watch it. Two more. Um, <laughs> number seven. You made a deal with a hag, but they twisted your words and transformed you. That is so me. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just um, beating you guys to the it, punch. It's just like a, a, a like wish. wish. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The last thing you ever want to do is make a wish on my table. I don't. Because <laughs> it, it will come out nothing like you thought. Number- I, I would save that wish for an inexperienced DM when they rotate through and then drop it. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is what I have. And I spent the last six months writing it out. Yep. With lots of commas in the word. And, and I had an attorney look through it and it's been notarized. <laughs> Number eight. You're a child of the wild. Animals and mysterious whispers were the only family you ever knew. That's that Path of the Beast barbarian, too. Or a druid. Or, or a druid. druid. I think yeah. that, yeah, that makes for a pretty nice druid. Even a ranger. Or, yeah. A gloom stalker. Yep. Perfect fit for a gloom stalker. Oh, nice. So we got some hex blood traits. Yeah, you are both fey and humanoid. I like the fey slant on things here. I I think the um it brings a little fairy tale into it, and and I think that fairy tale kind of brings a little fantasy. Back I was into about D&D, to say you know? because fifth edition seems to be driving fantasy away from the fantasy realm a little bit with you know your artificers and things like that. For certain realms, yes, it's very for certain realms, yeah. Fu- yeah. a little bit more futuristic than where we're normally right. dealing and, with. And I think dealing with the Fey kind of brings us back s- home, swings it right back to where I, the old grognard that I am, believe it should be. I yeah, I I agree. I I think that um, I don't know. I I I don't taste the fantasy in fifth edition. I like exactly. I love the rules. Yes, um, but you know, one of the things that I really really liked about two and two point five was. Everywhere you looked, it was very obvious this was a fantasy game. Yes. You know, uh, Jim Easley and Larry Elmore uh, brought really whatever world it was you were dealing with to life with their artwork, and it was very fantastic. Yes. Um, and uh, I really missed that. Well, here's here's a hint that we may be driving back to that just a bit. Yes, and you get to be medium or small. I I like the small thing because uh, I I think having like uh, some fairy lineage or something like that in there would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, your speed is thirty feet. You get that dark vision. You get the fey resilience, so you have advantage on saving throws um, you make to avoid or or end the charmed condition on yourself. You get the he- hex magic, so you cast disguise self and hex spells with this trait, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. That's nice is your spell casting ability for these spells. I like um I like that that option. I think you know, even though I think charisma is already used elsewhere, I think charisma for a fey creature it makes a little bit more sense than yeah. intelligence and wisdom. Yeah, and that that too, you know, it brings it brings the uh brings the fairy tale stuff into there cuz they were crafty. They're crafty and and they're always trying to convince you and charm you and and beguile you, and that's all. That's all charisma based. And uh, you, uh, you got to finish a long rest before you after you cast these. But you can also cast them these uh, spells. 
using any spell slots you have. So that's nice. Now this is cool. Like yeah, yeah go this, to the, go to the next one. I like this. Yeah, one. the magic token. So as an action, you can harmlessly pull out one of your nails, a tooth, or a lock of hair. Uh, this token is imbued with magic until you finish a long rest. While the token is imbued in this way, you can use an action to send a telepathic message to the creature holding or carrying the token. As long as you are on the same plane of existence and are within 10 miles of it. That's, that's pretty that's cool. That's a hell of a range. Yeah. <laughs> the message can contain up to 25 words. Um, in addition, while you are within 10 miles of the token, you can use an action to enter a trance for one minute during which you can see and hear from the token as if you were located where it is. Nice. Yeah. And while you are using your senses at the tokens location, you are blinded and deafened in regard to your own surroundings. Afterward, the token is harmlessly destroyed. Flashbacks to the old familiar rules. Yeah. Once you create a, uh, token using this feature, you can't do so until you finish a long rest. At which point your missing part regrows. I just I dig that you know pulling out a gold tooth, you know, and uh, because all my teeth would be gold if I was a fake creature, <laughs> I'd pop that out and um, uh, I just I like or if you happen to be a female, you I know, like, like the way his eyes just all of a sudden opened right up. We went or I just I you know I see you know like uh, Lady Galadriel giving Gimli. A lock of her hair, you know, from yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings. And uh, I just think it's, I love how that brings the fantasy back into D&D. Like, it, it like, comes screaming back in. Yes. Um, bra- bravo. I was going to say, yeah, because a gold tooth wouldn't work with our group. Somebody would turn around and sell it. So somebody would turn around and, and well, the whole rest of the group would pin him down and pull out all, all his teeth. teeth. Yeah. Uh, because Lou would have rallied them together to do that. We need we need to buy horses. Quick, empty he's, his face. He's got a face full of t- They're going to grow back. We have an endless supply. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Don't care. We're taking them anyways. <laughs> I can't chew my food. <laughs> Goddamn, Lou. Someone give me a smoothie. I That only happened once. <laughs> <laughs> once is enough. I, I like the hex blood. I like the hex blood a lot. I do too. I think yeah. there's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, you can do with with the hex blood in in the in the right setting. I I think too though they they kind of they fit a little bit better in um pretty much any campaign than the vampire or the reborn. Agreed. I think that's one of the ones you can pull off. Yeah, it, it can travel Easier. with it can travel with a quote unquote normal adventuring party. Um, and of course I have some ideas for adventurers for these three, but we'll do that at the end. Like we usually do. (laughs) All right. Reborn. Um, this one's interesting. Death isn't always the end. The reborn exemplify this being individuals who have died yet somehow still live. Some reborn exhibit the scars of fatal fates, their ashen flesh, missing limbs, or bloodless veins make it clear that they've been touched by death. Other reborn are marvels of magic or science, being stitched together from (laughs) disparate beings or beings' mysterious minds in manufacturing bodies. Hmm. Whatever their origins, reborn know a new life and seek experience and answers all their own. Uh, how, how very, um, Mary Shelley. 
Yes. Um, I, I was reading this through going, oh, well, gee, I, I wonder where the inspiration for this one came. But then you kind of have that Android thing yeah. going on, you know, which a is, little. which is, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's cool. I, um, especially with the Warforged. I was about to say, yeah, that's the first way, that's the first place my mind went with it. Yeah. Going, you know, I could see this one being a Warforged. Yeah. Someone who was maybe a, um. Uh, a great soldier at one point in time in a flesh and blood body who who met an untimely end, whose loved one, whoever, whatever they may be, was an artificer and uh, was building Warforged and was like, you know what, I bet you kind of, they kind of robocopped them. <laughs> you know, they, I was like, I got a perfectly good metal body in here before I awaken this Warforged. I was thinking something along the same lines, but you know, what about you know, an artificer going through a massive battlefield and thought he was building a suit of armor, something that he possibly could, you know, or maybe he just wants a a, a token or a trophy from the war, and somehow the spark ignited in this thing, and now you have as we go through some of these memories lost and as well as the origins. You have multiple bodies, and you're getting impressions from the multiple parts that are put in there. Yeah, that you know, just uh, uh, we'll get. Like I said, we'll get over that when we get a little bit deeper. But there's yeah, there's a couple different ways you can go about this one too. So this faded memory memories thing is is pretty neat, and it's um, it's it's very RoboCop. If you it, ask it, me, yeah, extremely. Yeah, so, uh, reborn <laughs> suffer from some manner of discontinuity. Uh, an interruption of their lives or physical state that their minds are ill-equipped to deal with. Their memories or events before this interruption are often vague or absent. It's like they, um, uh, you know, in whatever process it was that put them back together, if they were kind of a, a conglomeration of different body parts, a la, you know, Adam from the Frankenstein novel yep. or... If they happen to be in a constructed body of some some type, they they can't recall their their memories. They're they're, they're kind of there, you know. Maybe you get some flashbacks. Did you ever watch Penny Dreadful? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, both um, loved it. Yep. It was Frankenstein and and his bride. They both had suffered from that same thing. Right. Yeah. It and and just that makes for interesting role playing. Whereas. As the DM, I would tell the player, you uh, you can't write the backstory. You have no backstory. Here is here is three sentences of information on your backstory I have provided you with. And here's a composite notebook. Keep notes as it, un yep. it unfolds for you. As you learn about yourself as you yep. can. And then I would I would leak out some, you know, memories every now and again. Just little little snippets. Nothing big, you know, like an image. Or something like that, just to kind of unfold the story and and watch the player put it together. And well, the first thing that came to mind for me was the group's heading somewhere. They have to go there. They're on a time crunch. Someone happens to come by, gives the guy a double take. Hey, little slapping arm. Haven't seen you in a while. I'll catch. We got to catch up. And takes off. Like he recognizes him, and the player character has no idea who this person is. Wants to turn around and chase this person to find out how does this person know me? How do I find them? Or even something more subtle than that, where someone you, you know you just notice that they're 
they're looking at you for a long period of time. It's like, and you know, maybe you make a, um, make a perception check at disadvantage. Um, and if you make it, it's like, I know that person. I don't know how, I don't know why I don't know their name, but they look familiar to me. Or somebody walks up to you, goes and pays you say, you know, here's the money I owe you for the debt. And this, you know, you got to figure it out from there. Yeah. Points at you and go, we're square now. Stay off my ass. And off they go. So rather than sleeping, reborn, sit and dwell on their past, hoping for some revelation, you know, of what came before. A lot of rumination and perseveration. <laughs> Sounds like it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most of the time, these are dark, silent stretches, just sitting there brooding. Um, That's Andrew. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally Andrew's though, a reborn. In a moment of peace, stress, or excitement, a reborn gains a, a glimpse of what came before. Make them roll for it. Oh, yeah. You know, make them roll for it. When you desire to have such a dreamlike vision, roll on the lost memories table. I I wouldn't even use this, to be honest with you. Well, I'd use it as a base, but I would definitely be expanding on this quite a bit. I would I would already have a I would already have a list made of just words or objects. And then a list of those very same next to it with a little more detail. And then a list next to it with even more detail. And maybe do it like have four four columns just so that I can bleed out a little bit of information. I could build up on that. Well, as, I, it, as a circumstance triggers, all right, this would be a perfect one for here. You can kind of put a little star next to it. And then it moves to the next one next time it gets triggered and it triggers. So... Once again, give them that blank notebook and <laughs> let them put yeah. it, let them put the puzzle together. But they do give this, you know, this is even though I would I wouldn't even bother to use it. This is a nice tool for a more inexperienced uh, DM, and mm-hmm. I think it's nice that they put these things in there um, because Perkins you, and his friends probably uh, had no idea that we were providing all this information to the good <laughs> players of our D and D community. All these bits of uh, DMing wisdom and the whatnot. Um, is that what we're calling it? I, <laughs> that's what we're going with. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can, we can call it that. Let's go over a few lost memories. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, the eighties, they were particularly, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. For the class. For oh, the class. for the class. Oh, for the class. Yeah. <laughs> for you, it's the eighties. For me, it was the last four decades. <laughs> All right. Number one, you recall a physical painful moment what mark or scar in your body does it relate to? So it's nice to give you not only the memory, but a little bit of a trigger for you there. That's cool. Uh, number two, a memory causes you to shed a tear. Uh, is it a bitter or cheerful memory? Does recalling it make you feel the same way? I I think that's pretty neat. It would be, it would be um, not so much a memory, but maybe an object that would trigger an emotion. Yes. And uh, it just is. This poor character is a psychological wreck. You know, it's like he doesn't sleep. All he does is brood and sometimes spontaneously cries. That's why I can't help but to think of uh, Frankenstein from Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Especially when he's reading the book and a tear comes to his eye. Yep. Yeah. Just a, it's such a tragic, tragic character. And players and DMs, I mean, come on. You got to, this character has to die at the end of the campaign because Put it that's out of just, misery. right. You know, yeah. like, uh, that, it's a tragic character. But make them want it. Yeah. Make them want it. It could be that final bit of self-sacrifice. The The character at the end of the whole campaign has put together 
its entire entire life and maybe they're a real bastard yeah you know and and at the end of the campaign the uh the player you know the fight with the big bad and he's like you know what we're on this big cliff top i'm just gonna i'm gonna make a successful grapple and me and the big bad guy are going over the cliff together we haven't used a Game of Thrones reference for a while. So there there you go. There's the mountain going would, off the I flaming. I was thinking of Sir Eric Higadine. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Higadine. Thank you, Matt. Damn it. <laughs> now, see, Scott, you had your moment, Lou, and now Scott has his moment. I, I'm waiting for my – but, see, I'm heartless, so it's going to be I, tough. I love I loved that character. That yeah. was, uh, he wasn't even my character, <laughs> but I loved him. He was great. Um, but, yeah, you know, there was this, there was this movie – Back in back in the eighties, like uh, if if anybody who is is uh, of our generation, you remember the Incredible Hulk TV series, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. At the end of the at the end of every series, the uh, Lonely Man theme would play as as Bill Bixby walked down the highway highway uh, with his with his backpack um, hitchhiking, and there were like three made for TV movies afterwards. It was it was um, one with uh, Thor in it. It was fun. Um, it was the best thing we had. Um, it was at the incredible Hulk returns. And then there was a trial of the incredible Hulk yep. with daredevil in it. And, uh, then there was the death of the incredible Hulk where like, and that was stupid because the incredible Hulk fell out of like a helicopter and the fall killed him. I call bullshit on that. Even when I was like 16, I was like, <laughs> I call bullshit on this. But anyway, at, at, at the end, you know, you're like, Oh, Bill Bixby's finally free of the. The torment you know, the, and the, the torment curse and the curse. I see that character, you know, having that one last moment as 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 uh as he crashes to the ground and then uh kind of there's that look of relief, you know, where it's like that, I was that real small smile. Yeah, the, not even that. Let's go back to what you're saying. He's fighting the big bat at the on top of the the cliff, and all of a sudden he has a revelation of his past life and he realizes how much of a jerk he's been. Yeah, an evil bastard. And maybe so, he used to work for the big bad, and, and now he's gonna—he wants to atone for himself. So yep. that's is why he did, does it. Yeah, yep. he, to make up for all of that, you yep. know, so he could finally, uh, finally uh, put himself to rest, die not being yeah. a, a a real jerk. He's so. a hero now. Yes. All right, um, let's move on to number three. Recall a childhood memory. What about that event, or who you were still influences you? That, boy, they wrote that one wrong. I think yeah that that requires <laughs> that requires for once it's not you Bill yeah no kidding that, that requires some some editing so you recall a childhood memory what about I think it's supposed that to be event? or oh what about that event or who you were still influences you yeah it still doesn't really I, <laughs> yeah I, we get the gist I think of it I get it's like when Lou sends me text messages it uses and I read voice. it <laughs> and I got I got to read it again and I I you know I'm going hey to the person next to me what what does this mean. They're like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's juice in the oil pan, and the, the <laughs> and the gorillas mowing the lawn. It's like, all right, okay. I, I, I have no problem reading his text. I I know. I speak Luanese. Yeah, it's it's a hard language to pick up. <laughs> Number four. All right, a memory brings with it the voice of someone once close to you. How do they advise you? Use the force, Lou. The <laughs> there's a. <laughs> You got that uh got that ghost of that creepy old guy that lives up in the mountains constantly in the back of your head telling you to do things. Number 5, you recall enjoying something you can't stand doing now. What is it 
laundry. And why don't you like it oh. now? <laughs> As if you ever liked doing laundry. I the missus is particular about how I fold it. <laughs> so yours too. <laughs> I used to like doing laundry when I could just shove it in drawers, but now unreasonably I'm expected to fold it. And apparently there's a Well, that's what happens when you're using someone else's delicates. There's there's a there's a, <laughs> a proper towel folding technique or, or whatever. Or, or, but when you try fold the pants and you try fold them the wrong way, or at least you're being told it's the wrong way. I know this is the right way. I've been doing it for years. Yeah, hang them up. You don't have to fold them. I wouldn't know. I don't fold laundry. Well, ever. I have a beer fairy for that. Must be nice. It is. It's glorious. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> Number six, a memory carries a vivid smell or sensation. What are you going to do to recreate that experience? And this can be dangerous at the gaming table if you have a group <laughs> like ours, right? Because someone's going to rip one. Oh. <laughs> And they're going to do it on one of the hard metal chairs, so there's like project, proje- projection of <laughs> and reverberation, and reverberation. Yeah. Wow. Number seven. You faintly remember a place that couldn't possibly exist. What is this vision, and how does it make you feel? It's it's a world where everybody has a beer fairy to fold their laundry. <laughs> I guess. Number eight. You experience a memory you're certain isn't your own. How does it seem unnatural? Could it be a glimpse of a past nightmare or something worse? I think that's pretty neat, especially if you're one of those, uh, you know, kind of Frankenstein together things, because now you have, uh, maybe you have the memories of all the parts, all the parts, right? So there could be like 10, 11, 12 people. So now, now you have all these different memories. You get 11, 12, as if two or three isn't enough. Yeah. No, I would, I would, uh, yeah, go for broke. Yeah. Go full like dissociative disorder on there. And, uh, like I'd even go to the point where whispering things, you know, in the player's ear from behind, um, which could get you hit. And, <laughs> you and, know, and, well, what happens when your parts start arguing with each other? Yeah. Or you, yeah. Or you have all these different, all these different, uh, thoughts and memories and maybe even, you know, an occasional, occasional uh, voice or a scream or something. Especially if there was, you know, these these body parts became body parts because of some traumatic experience. You know, uh, someone someone dying suddenly on the battlefield or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, something as simple as an overturned cart that went down a cliffside with multiple yeah. people in it. Uh, a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any number of tragic. It blows around an explosion. An explosion followed immediately by a fire. And then he pushes you down the cliff in the cart. While casting Thunder Wave. After he hamstrings you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because you always hamstring the dead so they can't get up and chase you. So that can make for some interesting... um, Yeah, there's there's something to play with there. But yeah, yeah. I would expand upon this because, I mean, we already have. Um, There's a, a bunch of different hazards and happenstances that could cause all kinds of... Thoughts and feelings and sensations. I could have a really good time with um, with running a campaign with, with with this. It wouldn't fit with every campaign, but it would be it would be awesome for the right ones. So let's let's talk origins. Sure. Um, so what do we uh, we got that we got that table again? We got eight choices. Roll your d eight. Uh, you were magically resurrected, but something went wrong. That's fun. That yeah. would that would be something pretty to do at the gaming table if someone's character happened to die yes and uh 
you know, uh, I just roll a percentile like, oh, back, but something ain't right. Someone's uh, stitches bind your body's mis- mismatched pieces and your memories come from multiple different lives. Talked about that. Yep. Um, after clawing free from your grave, love it. You realized you have no memories except for a single name. And maybe it's not even yours. You know, maybe that name is not yours, but it's the name of someone. Is part it a, of your, like, your backstory is trying to figure out. Yeah, you know. is it the person who put me in this grave? Is it someone who tried to keep yeah. me from going in the grave? Is it a loved one? Is it a, is it an enemy? Or were you buried in a, you know, multiple, uh, a grave with multiple people? And does it want one headstone with a bunch of names? Yeah. Well, yeah, you were... Yeah. You were you were buried after like your entire town or village was massacred. Yep, um, in like a mass grave. Uh, you were a necromancer's undead servant for years. One day your consciousness returned. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. It's kind of like getting a raise, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That that two percent, the obligatory two percent cost of living increase. I'm just wondering because there's a lot of people at work that I I've noticed that all of a sudden they look like they're undead, and then all of a sudden it's like ding, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm productive again for a week, and then I'm like, it, oh, I still hate this. It's place. usually the day before their vacation. Once you but. once you realize uh, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I got this raise, and oh, they just jacked up the 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 life insurance uh, cost or the health insurance cost. So actually, I'm doing worse. Yes, um, I I dig the whole undead servant thing. You know, maybe maybe you had, you know you had this necromancer, right? It was your uh, kind of like your 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 master. Um, and uh, he or she took a lot of time with uh, just talking to you, showing you books, um, keeping you around, and and you were like the companion. Yeah, some kind of instead of a dog. Yeah, <laughs> and and you just got a little all of that, all of that for however long it was. Your consciousness kind of restored, um, and you're almost like a child. Uh, and then the necromancer dies, and now you're like. Edward Scissorhands, kind of, you know. <laughs> um, you awoke in an abandoned laboratory alongside cl- complex designs for clockwork organs. I like this one a lot. I do too. You know what it yeah, kind of reminds cute. me of? It kind of reminds me of was it was it nine? Yes. You know, with I, the, I was going to say the same thing, and, and I love the movie, and I, I wish they did something to provide more in depth explanation. But that is something that um, I think. It it just reminds me of well, that with with that with this one it uh, makes it so this lineage of at least in my mind fits Eberron because I can see the alchemist doing all this yeah you know with all the tubes and yep. different liquids going through you you were released after being petrified for generations your memories have faded though and your body is not what it once was well that's um <laughs> it just sounds like getting older because I can relate to that. <laughs> Um, but uh, as a piece of stone uh, that got bumped over and all of a sudden the arm got broken off. Yeah, I mean, this is this is like me before I take Motrin. <laughs> but see, again, this is something, that, and I'm going to go back to Baldur's Gate because this exact same scenario is in Baldur's Gate. So, you know, I'm wondering if Baldur's Gate is borrowing something from yeah, I, th- I think it, yeah. I think it probably yeah. is, uh, yeah, a little bit that of That might both. have been a little yeah. influence there. Yep. Uh, your body hosts a possessing spirit that shares its memories and replaces your missing appendages with phantasmal limbs. I like that one. I figured you would. <laughs> I'm having trouble with that one. Yeah. Um, Why am I always the odd man out? <laughs> it's a long one. We only have like 45 <laughs> minutes, right? I think the keyword there is odd. 
Um, in public, you pass as an unremarkable individual, but you can feel the itchy straw stuffing inside you. That one's cool. <laughs> that yeah. one is just cool. That is that is pretty neat. Again, well, that that one. <laughs> That one speaks to the fantasy that I've been I've been missing, you know, and I just I just like it. Well, after after doing the the uh, artificer and the warforged, well, there's our tin man. Now we have our straw man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So there's some traits. Let's talk about those. Okay, uh, humanoid as well as construct or undead. Now, this is one of the only ones that you know had those. Medium or small. Once again. And 30 feet speed, so that's pretty cool. Dark vision, uh, all these classes got that. Deathless nature, you have escaped death and a fact represented by the following benefits. You have advantage on saving throws against disease and being poisoned, and you have resistance to poison damage. Tough to poison things that are already dead. You have advantage on death saving throws, which <laughs> I, just, I don't know why I find that funny. You don't need to eat, drink, or breathe. Uh, you don't need to sleep, and magic can't put you to sleep. You can finish a long rest in four hours if you spend those hours in an inactive, motionless state during which you retain consciousness. I just want to, I would be so tempted to have a bunch of flying monkeys come and pull the straw stuffing <laughs> out of number eight. <laughs> and I know my player would be very resentful of that, but I'm sorry. It's You have to do you it. You have DMs, to do it. Embrace it. Get those flying monkeys out there. Maybe we'll build some flying monkeys on D&D Beyond and put them out there. Just so we have something to attack our reborn with. (laughs) And knowledge from a past life. Uh, You temporarily remember sporadic glimpses of the past, perhaps faded memories from ages ago or a previous life. When you make an ability check that uses a skill, you can roll a D6 and add the number rolled to the check. You can use this to feature the number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain them all on a long rest. So that's that's cool when your your past skills, for whatever reason, all of a sudden kind of surface, that, you know, and you get a roll for it. That that's that's, that's nice. That's, that's a nice neat. little. That's a cool little bonus. I like that. I had to do. Let's talk about adventures. I got an idea. Uh, Where's your adventure going to take place? Because so for me, that would depend what cla- which one of these traits can actually be used. Um, my True. my uh, adventure would take place in two specific areas. Um, let's talk about the urban one. We talked, I think, last time we did Tasha's when we talked about the cleric, and I talked about an urban campaign where they were like um, kind of like monster hunters. The nighttime uh, vigilante core, uh, Twilight yeah. Cleric, Twilight yeah. Cleric, yeah. So I would; these would be a perfect fit for that sort of like uh, an adventure surrounding that. Um, and and it's almost like I would do something similar to what we did when we ran our urban campaign in Santuario, where I'd have everybody make three different characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, it was it, it's got to be it's got to fit a theme. And then do it in an episodic fashion where it's like, okay, you're dealing with supernatural threats in this city that is, you know, it's got a lot of, um, it's got a lot of wizards uh, and of, of all variety and necromancers and the whatnot uh, fooling about with this magic. And there's, there's this ever present threat and maybe it was built over an ancient city. So there's a lot of bad juju there um, as well. So 
these are the people that go out and um and do that and maybe they're maybe it's not like uh you know you have an ad in the paper necessarily but the uh the the wealthy people in the city know about this these threats so they they kind of they they pool money as part of their taxes into this this organization which goes out and and deals with these like supernatural threats. And I can I think see the merchants that, getting behind that because let's face yeah. it, merchants it's all about money. Yep. And commerce that is going to other cities because this this city is problematic takes money out of their pocket. Yep. So let's take care of this problem. The government's not doing anything about it because it only happens at night and they don't care what happens at night. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The mer- uh, the mercantile class would probably be the the one to do it because the um you know the the wealthy would be like ah eh, well they're probably only eating the poor people so we're not poor yeah I have um, large so gates nobody and get, yeah, walls so I'm fine yeah ain't nobody getting eaten over here but yeah the poor people uh eh, big deal um so you reduce the populace yeah now with the with the hex blood though I think the hex Hex blood would work great in that uh, kind of fantasy forest setting we were talking about. Yes, well, it's very a few driven. episodes. Yeah, so I think that would be. Um, I would take a heavy fairy tale kind of grim grim fairy tale slant on that sort of um, campaign, and that would be a very very good fit there. Yes. Um, well, emphasis on grim. Yeah, it would be. You know, it'd be a combination of, you know, if, now if you've ever read the Grimm's fairy tales, they're oh yeah, they are dark. Yeah, they're well, they're grim. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not. I, I love them. There's not a lot of Disney shit happening no. there. Yeah, um, it's pretty pretty dark stuff. There's no singing, and birds do not, do not alight upon your finger when no. you stick it out and hit a high note. Um, so I would I would do you know definitely focus a lot on that kind of dark stuff. But I would also uh, focus a lot on, you know, kind of like, uh, remember Legend with Tom Cruise from like a million years ago? How yeah. it was a very, yep. very fantasy, fantasy forest. And uh, there was always a, a shitload of pollen and stuff floating around in that movie. It was yes. like, you know, a nightmare if you happen to have, have allergies. <laughs> um, but that that's what... Uh, the undead don't need inhalers. They, <laughs> they sure don't. That's... That's what I would I would do with um with with those particular lineages, and I think they would fit nicely. I don't know how you, you feel. I know we bounced it around before, but even after like uh, talking about them, I just don't think they would they would be a good fit in any kind of campaign. It would have to be something um geared towards them, just because you know. Can you imagine? Well, if the if the campaign's geared towards the darker side. Uh, that's that's all. If you're doing like a very Dresden file kind of, yeah, yeah, I if, think if, that would if, be fun. If, if you're if that's the the flavor you have, then yes, these would be a very easy fit into something like that for a long term. And I and I know at you know the first thing that popped in my mind after you uh, mentioned Dresden files was um, if if one of our good friends is listening and you know who you are, I can imagine <laughs> him rolling his eyes. Because we've had the, I love the Dresden Files. He he does he, <laughs> he does, does not. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the second thing that popped in was, oh my god, that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, Dresden Files type of type of thing. 
themed adventure would yeah, be. Yeah, you roll the Dresden neat. Files into a fantasy version of X Files and yeah. and then cut them loose and into the city. I could they say, I aside from the hex aside from the hex blood, the other two will fit into an urban campaign very well. Yes. Yeah, I even think the even hex blood would, would too. Yeah, um, would too. You wouldn't have to shoehorn it too much, but I, I think a a a fantasy setting, like I, I just think it would work well for something like Dolman Wood, which is uh uh I think it's BX Essentials is 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 where Dolman Wood is is a setting for I may be wrong, but something like that. A fantasy yes. uh forest setting. We have one in our homebrew world. So I'm dying to try that out. I, I think yeah. you said it best. Uh this I think these are more for a homebrew world. I'm trying to figure out which campaign they would really fit in on any of the Wizard of the Coast ones. And I really can't see see them fitting too well in any of them. I, you know what? To be honest Except with you, maybe Eberron. I was going to say yeah. Eberron. I think I think in an urban campaign setting, in Eberron would be it would work because. And I'm not a huge fan of Eberron. I don't I don't think ill of it. It just doesn't it doesn't blow my skirt up. You know, maybe Ravenloft too for Dampier. Well, you know what? Yeah. I think these. These, um, all three of them would be awesome to do an entire campaign inside Ravenloft. Yes. Um, and I think they would fit perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, perfectly there as, as, as the heroes oh, yeah. of, of, of a setting like that. And, and not even like you were sucked into the mist. No, you, you were there. Is, that's is, where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's your hometown. You know, you graduated from Ravenloft high school, you know, class of 47, Monsters um, University, yay! <laughs> My alma mater. <laughs> I I think that would be that would be great. Um, that'd be another another really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the Eberron thing. I think like a Victorian England kind of look to some Eberron city and have it be that whole like steampunk Victorian England feel. Right. Would would work just fine with these. It'd be perfect. We're gonna have to do all these events. You realize all these things we talk about. We're gonna have to do. I'm waiting for you to write them up. That's, that's why job. we have um, this giant, massive whiteboard on the other side of the room that, where we, that's we why. jot all these things down. <laughs> Maybe we'll bring our listeners, our listeners to uh, with us when we do that. We'll uh, we'll try to do the we'll try to do the um, uh, D twenty to curtain and uh, the uh, fool's quest thing. Though probably not half as good as 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 those guys oh, do. Yeah, but. no, 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 <laughs> not not. But I, I can guarantee we'll be comical. We'll be like, <laughs> yeah, we'll be like the kid with the clubbed foot trying to catch up with them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe we'll bring you guys along, and uh, it won't be a complete train wreck. But just then a, again, just, just a minor derailment. Yeah, but you know what? If you're coming along, uh, wear your seatbelt. Oh hell and, yeah! And a helmet if you got one. You're gonna need the helmet because <laughs> it may very well be a complete train wreck. But so there you go. Um, Gothic lineages. Uh, now, granted, this is out of uh, Arthacana, so it's it is play testing. But I think there's a good base here. I think there's a lot to play with here. Let's see what they, what they do when they polish it up, because you know this is going to make print somewhere. Well, you know if it make print, uh, usually if they do it uh, like they just put it out now. If they revisit it within a year, the next time they come out with a book like they did with Tasha's, yep, um, like with the um, armor, um, the armorer, mm-hmm. the and the, you know the genie warlock and um, I think the fathomless, they were all play tested and revamped a couple times. Then you can see them in a, in a print uh, once you see them go. That, and that's how it usually happens. 
But once you see it reprinted again in Unearthed Canada as another test with some changes, there's a good chance that it'll make it into the next print. Well, let's see where the changes go. There's a lot of potential here, and, and as as written, they could be a little fun. I think a little tweak here and a little tweak there, but for the most part, it looks like it's a, it's pretty fun. Give it a shot. There you go. All righty. And that's a look at the UA's gothic lineage. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.